Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Scott, how are we doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing awesome. What question are we going to answer today? Our question today is a big one. And that question is, how much do I need to retire? In other words, what does it take for me to retire? All right. That, that's a good question. It's, one, it's probably a good one to know the answer to. Straightforward, simple question, right? Nothing too complicated here. Yeah. Like, that's kind of a, a big question to answer. Um, where should we start? Let's start with this. You, have you ever read the book? I think it's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I have not, but I know. You know, I know the of the book. It. Okay, there's a there's a concept in the book called begin with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. If you want to know where are you going, you want to ultimately know, well, what is the end that we're ultimately pursuing here? If I want to know what do I need to begin doing today, I need to start with that end in mind. So the same thing holds true for retirement planning. Yeah. And what I mean by that is when you're asking the question, how much do I need to retire? I want to know what does retirement look like for you, right? What things are you doing in retirement? Are you traveling? Are you going to belong to a country club? Are you going to be trying to spend as much time as possible with kids or grandkids that are maybe across the country? Mm-hmm. You need to really get a pl- clear, clear picture of what that looks like because if we don't know where we're going, it's that old saying, any road will take you there. Yeah. What, what are you doing in retirement? I don't know. I don't know if I want to retire. <laughs> I love what I do. I, I think I'm going to do it as, as long as I can. Well, there's probably some truth to that, though, then. Because mm-hmm. if you do, if someone does love the work they do and they want to keep working, they probably need less to, quote, retire. Exactly. Exactly. And maybe a better way of phrasing this is how much do I need to be financially free? Right. Which, of course, is the point at which if you want to keep working, well, by all means, I think you can get a lot of purpose and a lot of satisfaction out of work. But you've got enough in savings, retirement accounts, et cetera, that you no longer have to go to work just to pay the bills. Okay. So that's a good point, Scott. Let's call it that. How much do I need to be financially free is really the question we're looking to answer here. Yeah. I like the concept of financially free or work optional. Work optional. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Financially independent, financially free, work optional, all kind of the similar concept that we're looking at here. Yeah. But whatever way you want to slice it or whatever you want to call it, you have to begin with the end in mind. So it's, it's kind of a fun exercise to actually envision what does life look like at that point? Yeah. You know, if you want to retire at 55 or retire at 65, whatever it is, imagine what are you doing at that point? Mm-hmm. Because when you have a clear picture of what you're doing, that really allows you to begin calculating to some extent, what's that going to cost? At least in today's dollars, mm-hmm. right? If, if you want to be traveling, well, how much do you need in your travel budget to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, traveling, taking some domestic trips, three-day weekends throughout the U.S. is going to cost a lot less than two, three, four international trips each year. Sure. So understanding what that is allows you 
to kind of get a good picture for what is it going to cost to fund that retirement. Okay. That makes sense. It does. Now there's two ways you can do this. And we were just chatting about this. Some people like details and they want to know, they want to itemize every last expense in retirement. Uh, mm-hmm. This is what it's going to cost for food. This is what it's going to cost for entertainment. This is what it's going to cost for travel. This is, you know, all the way down the list. And that's great. Mm-hmm. And you can come to a very, very accurate number trying to calculate expenses that way. But for those of you out there listening and thinking, oh my gosh, I have no idea what that's going to cost. We were generally talking the fact that it's probably safe to assume that you need to replace 55 to 80% of your take-home income today in retirement. Yeah. Does that sound about right, Scott? It does. And it that, that is a pretty big discrepancy, but the discrepancy lies in a couple of things. The amount of income that you're saving now, mm-hmm. the tax bracket that you're in now, mm-hmm. um, and, and a couple of other things. But the, you know, basically, if, if you're in a really high tax bracket and you're saving a lot of money, you're all, if, you, if you retire, all of a sudden... Right. All of that income that was going to Uncle Sam and going to your savings accounts, you don't need to replace anymore. In other words, what you're actually spending of your income is already a fairly low number. Yeah. So you don't need to replace 100% of it. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. Awesome. So that's that's a good starting point. Like you said, it's a very broad range. But if you just want to start with saying 55 to 80% of your income, again, big range, but somewhere in there is the income you need to replace, that's the starting point. But mm-hmm. here's one of the things I, I find that people oftentimes fail to account for when they're doing their retirement planning is, you know, let's just use an example. Let's assume that number is $100,000, Scott. Sure. Let's say it's going to cost $100,000 for me to live the lifestyle I want to live. But okay. that's today. Mm-hmm. Now, what's going to happen every year going forward and what's happened every year in the past is, is inflation is going to go up. What's inflation? So inflation is a concept that the, the price you pay for the goods and services you use today, that price is going to go up each and every year. So a gallon of milk doesn't cost the same? gallon of milk isn't going to cost the same in 30 years as it does today. I mean, right. you know, think back 30 years ago. You know, I, I love, you know, do you I, love In-N-Out? I, yeah, I do. I love In-N-Out. And what I love about In-N-Out, there's these pictures on the wall. And you probably know what I'm talking about where the, you know, the drive through and I don't know what it was, the 50s or 60s, 70s, whatever it was. And there's a sign on this picture and it says, you know, hamburger, 10 cents, fries, totally. 5 cents. Yeah. That's inflation. Yeah. You know, that same thing's going to happen going forward with everything getting more and more expensive. Yeah. You, you can talk about what the cost of an, a burger was when you used to walk to it uphill both ways <laughs> in a windstorm <laughs> in Encinitas. Exactly. To your kids someday. <laughs> awesome. Exactly. So, so let, I'm with you. So that's what inflation is. And let's assume a 3% inflation rate, which is about what it's averaged historically. Here's what that means for me. Let's assume again, let's assume I'm 40 years old and I want to live on $100,000 per year to feel mm-hmm. like I can retire comfortably. Okay. Well, by the time I'm 60 years old, to maintain the purchasing power that I have today with $100,000, it's actually going to cost $180,000 by the time I'm 60. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so just to keep up with going to the grocery store and doing all the things I normally do, it doesn't cost $100,000 like it does today. 20 years from now, the same stuff's going to cost $180,000. Exactly. That 180 is not because your lifestyle is increasing. Your lifestyle just got more expensive because of inflation. Got it. By 70 years old, it's going to cost $243,000. And by 80 years old, it would cost me $326,000 
simply to maintain the purchasing power I have today with $100,000. You're freaking me out, man. I'm freaking you out. I'm freaking myself out. <laughs> how, am I, how am I ever going to save that much money? <laughs> well, th- I mean, this is this is the, you know, we talk about the, the, the magic of compound growth a lot. You know, why do we save early? Why do we invest early? Because we get to take advantage of that compound growth. Well, inflation's compounding too at the same time. Right. So that's the, that's kind of, the same power and the same positive benefit of compound growth in our investment accounts is also the same negative impact of inflation over time. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm kind of messing with you, but that's mm-hmm. exactly why when we build retirement accounts for clients, you're obvious, you're going to see us more than likely any ad- advisor with their metal is going to have some assets in the stock market and some in the bond market. The stock market's going to help you keep ahead of that mm-hmm. purchasing power or inflation for a portfolio, which is what we're trying to do here. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, cool. So that that's that's kind of the starting point. You start with the end in mind, which means how much do I need to live on, at least in today's dollars? Okay. That what what income would fund my lifestyle today? And then what you do is you inflate that. So if if I want to retire at sixty, and I want to live on a hundred thousand dollars today, well. I need 186000 per year, whatever that number I just said was. Sure. And that's kind of the starting point for us. Okay. So that's step one. You want to take us through step two, Scott? Sure. Um, so step two would be knowing your income sources, right? What do you mean by that? So My income today, my income yeah, in the well, future? You need to know what your future income is going to look like. Uh, and there's really going to be two main sources that we would look at. There's you know, income from investments, and then there's going to be income that's not from investments. Hmm. So, so income from investments would be like we we build up a portfolio, mm-hmm. and we're going to take funds from that portfolio, mm-hmm. and we'll talk shortly about how much how you could think about um, how much you could take out of an investment account. But you build up assets; you can use those assets to live on. That's one component. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other component will be really non-investment in income, and those form that could come in a number of forms. Um, it could come from um, maybe you've built up rental properties along the way and mm-hmm. those rental properties are earning income for you. Uh, it could come from most people are going to have social security of some form, mm-hmm. right? And then you look at when you're going to take it and that's a different topic for a different day. Uh, and then you might have uh, a pension. They're kind of, they're more and more rare, but, you know, especially in San Diego, you have a lot of, of uh, military members put in their 20 years and have a pension mm-hmm. before they roll out in the private sector mm-hmm. or you have a lot of you know police and fire lifeguards yeah, have teachers pensions, teachers that. have pensions so there's a number of people who have pensions that you could look at um and another form of honest we kind of alluded to it before but if you really really love the work that you do and you never want to stop doing it well you might choose to not work full-time anymore mm-hmm. but you might work part-time mm-hmm. and have a portion of income from that as well right Right now, why is it important for me to know what my income is going to be in the future? What does what does that do? What does that do for me? It helps you solve and <laughs> make sure that you have enough cash to live on <laughs> in retirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so the it's basically going to help you. You know, if you know that, let's say that you go back to your hundred thousand dollar example, and it's twenty years later where you need one hundred eighty thousand dollars. Well, if you know Social Security is going to give you forty thousand dollars, well, you don't need to have a portfolio give you one hundred eighty thousand right. dollars of income. It now needs to give you one hundred forty thousand dollars of income. Exactly. It kind of shows you, okay, what, well, how much of this is going to be funded by my portfolio versus how much will be funded by other income sources that don't put pressure on on my portfolio or they don't take out of my portfolio. Right. Right. And some people, you know, if you have a, a depending on how much 
you need for your basic needs. Some people will have pensions and social security that will cover the majority of that. And then their investment accounts become fund money for other clients. They need that money to live off of. And it's a more, mm-hmm. you know, they have to be more thoughtful about how they're allocating those yeah. assets. Yeah. It's a good point. It reminds me of a couple clients I worked with in the past that were both retired uh, fire captains. And now these fire captains, they had great pensions. And so when we did retirement planning for them, it was it was kind of fun to do because they said, here's the needs I have. Here's what I want to do in retirement. And we solved for what that number was. Yeah. Now, the great thing about their situation is that enti- the entire amount of their desired living expenses in retirement was completely funded by the pension they had. Nice. So when they said, how much do I need to have in my portfolio? I mean, in some regards, the answer is zero. Now, of course, you know, it's good to have money there as a backup or a safety valve or, you know, for fun money, whatever it may be. But just for basic living expenses, their needs are entirely covered by their pension. That's great. So that's why I think it's so important to start with your income, like you're saying, Scott, because once you know what your income is, that's going to fund a portion of your future living expenses. And then you kind of know that the rest needs to come from your portfolio. Yep. So we get a sense of what what we have coming in in the future. Then we know what we have to solve for for the portfolio. Um, how do we calculate how much we need for a portfolio? Yeah. So so where we are so far as we know what our expenses are, we, we know what those future expenses are going to be. We know how much of those expenses are going to be covered by non-portfolio income. So pension, social security, rental income, whatever it may be. The difference is the amount that needs to come from our portfolio. And there's a fairly straightforward way, at least a a rule of thumb, to kind of calculate how much you need in your portfolio to to meet that shortfall. So let's go back to the example of assuming I want to live on $100,000 per year. And let's assume I'm retiring today. Yep. If I retire today and I need $100,000 per year after taxes to meet my living expense needs, and I have $40,000 coming in in a pension... Well, that means the other $60,000 needs to come from my portfolio, mm-hmm. right? Now, that 60000 needs to represent a portion of my portfolio. But of course, you need a portfolio that's large enough that can generate that $60,000 this year plus next year plus the year after and ongoing and ongoing. So it's a sustainable withdrawal rate. Okay. The general rule of thumb is that a portfolio, as long as it's structured correctly, and we can kind of dive into this a little bit more if we, if we need to, can generate 4% per year withdrawals without running the risk of kind of cannibalizing or withdrawing your portfolio too soon, too quick. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And I think that that 4% withdrawal rate, we don't need to dive too deeply into it, but it is, it is based on um, research mm-hmm. and it actually, it's to, it's, I believe the time frame is, uh, it was either 30 or 40 years. I think years. it's 30 I'm years is what I want to say. I think it was always 30 year time frames. Yep, I think that's exactly what it was. So don't if you're a young person who's like forty thinking they can retire on a four percent withdrawal rate, be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, Ignore everything I just said because you re- you're always battling two things, right? We're looking at them um, kind of staying ahead of inflation mm-hmm. with that uh, letting assets grow, and mm-hmm. then we're also looking at making sure the assets are sustainable that they don't run out during your lifetime. Right. So I think about a 30-year time frame would be correct for that 4% withdrawal rate. Exactly. So very different for someone who's 65 years old and doing this than a, you know someone who retired at 40 and is looking to not work again and totally live off their portfolio. So if you are 40 and you're looking to do that, what you need to do is you need to reduce the withdrawal rate. 
to increase the longevity mm-hmm. of the portfolio, mm-hmm. which doesn't sound exciting, but it's safe. <laughs> <laughs> we want to make sure you don't have to go back to work if you don't want to. Yeah. So once you're there, once you have the number, so assuming I want to live on 100000 per year, and again, let's just, now let's assume I want that whole thing for my portfolio. A, a very simple thing you can do is you divide that by 4%. Mm-hmm. So pull out your calculator, type in 100000 divide that by 0.04, and what that's going to give you is $2.5 million. Right. So what that practically means is, means is you need $2.5 million in your portfolio so that you can take out $100,000 per year and be reasonably assured that that portfolio is going to last for at least a couple, few decades. Yep. And then the, the detail there is the that 4%, depending on what type of an account that's in, you may be mm-hmm. paying taxes on that $100,000. Mm-hmm. If it's in a Roth IRA, you won't be taking paying taxes on that, right. that money. Yeah, but great be, point. be thoughtful about pre and post tax on those withdrawal rates. And I, th- I think that's important. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Because, I mean, let's say, Scott, I have... One person who's got $2.5 million in a 401k and another person who's got $2.5 million in a Roth IRA. How does that impact how much each of those can actually live on? Yeah, it's, it's a huge difference, right? Because if, if, it's, a, if it's in the uh, regular or like pre-tax 401k and you take out the $100,000, it's essentially like you just paid taxes, like you just earned $100,000 as a W-2 earner in a sense. It's not exactly the same, but it's close on the taxes you're going to pay. Whereas in the Roth, you've already paid the taxes on the front end. So now on the back end, you don't pay any taxes. Mm-hmm. So in other words, the person who's living on 100000 that's coming from a IRA or 401k, really maybe they're living on 60 to 70, maybe a little yeah. more, but yeah, not. Probably, it's not 100000 yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's where it gets really complicated really fast, sadly, but we are trying to walk you through a, a high level back of the napkin. How do you start figuring this out? Exactly. And I think we wanted to note kind of a, a few factors that people need to think about when doing this, because like you said, this is a very basic, simple framework that we're providing. Yeah. What do you need? How much is coming in from non-portfolio income? The rest needs to come from your portfolio. Yep. Now, here are some factors that you need to take into account. The first one was taxes. 4% of a IRA that you're taking, 4% distribution from an IRA is actually going to leave you with a lot less than 4% distribution from an, a Roth IRA. Totally. All else being equal. Another thing that people need to keep in mind is inflation versus any potential cost of living adjustments they're receiving on their pensions. Yeah. So basically, the <laughs> the answer there is the the... I mean, the the government can't really afford to give real inflation adjustments Mm -hmm. on a normal basis. Mm -hmm. So they create different formulas to increase, to make adjustments, but then they don't have to do it as much or they don't have to increase it as much. Right. Right. So when you're saying a normal inflation rate's 3%, I think that Social Security, I think the most recent one was 2% Mm -hmm. as an inflation rate. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, understand that they're not always the same thing. Exactly. Me, which, from a practical standpoint, means the amount you need to take out of your portfolio may actually go up each year as inflation is increasing at a faster rate than the cost of living adjustment you receive on a pension, if you have one. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else we need to take into account? I think there's a couple other things. Oh, um, you know, living expenses. We're kind of assuming for simplicity that if you want to live on $100,000 per year, well, this calculation assumes that's static. No, yeah. hundred thousand per year. Of course, adjusted for inflation, but that's not really reality. And also, when you yeah, when you really look at it, like 
when people do retire, normally they're more active in their earlier years of retirement and mm-hmm. not as active in their later years, right? right. Like my um, uh, my grandparents, when they retired, were much more active when they were younger <laughs> than they were when they were older. When they were older, they were almost homebound in a, in a sense. They just didn't want to go anywhere anymore. Mm-hmm. So just be mindful of that um, and, and think about that when you, when you plan out your cash flow. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the last one, I think, and we already covered this, is the fact that this basic calculation is going to be a whole lot different for someone who's retiring at 40 than someone who's looking to retire at your you know, traditional 65 years old or whatever it may be. Your portfolio, that 4% withdrawal rate, isn't designed to be sustainable from age 40 to age 90. It's designed to be sustainable from age you know, 65 for 30 years or so. So yep. keep that in mind as well. Agreed. Awesome. Well, anything else you wanted to add to this, Scott? No, I think it's a good overview. It's it's a good, no matter what, get an understanding of where your assets are today, how much you have saved, um, and what you want to save in the future. You know, I, I will mention a good resource that's big, pretty mm. broad-based and educational is the Guide to Retirements. JP Morgan puts it out. Right. Um, I think it's a treasure trove of information. And, and we were chatting about this beforehand because, you know, let's we just calculated one thing, which is how much do you need to meet this need by the time you retire? Right. Right. Okay. So what? Yeah. I need $2 million. How do I get there? I need $3 million. How do I get there? Right. And I think you're saying JP Morgan has a resource for that. Yeah, they, they do. They, in their, in their deck of slides, they have one specifically on, well, what do you make on average now? And how old are you? And here's an estimate of how much you should have saved for mm-hmm. you to be on track. And it, it's, there are places you can go like that to check in and see how you're doing. Um, Obviously, if it gets really complicated, it makes sense to go talk to a professional too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I think in summary, what we're looking at here is if you want to know how much you need to retire, the first thing you need to do is start with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. Calculate what what, what amount of expenses will you have at that time so we know what our goal is that we're shooting for here. Number two, know your income. So what income sources, what non-portfolio income sources will you have to offset those living expenses? And then number three, the remainder needs to come from your portfolio. And you can essentially find out whatever that number that needs to come from your portfolio is each year, divide that by 0.04%, and whatever you get is is more or less the number that you're going to need to have in your portfolio to make this all happen. Yeah. Just if you go do those steps, you're going to be so much further ahead than so many people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next step from there would be to go look at what you actually have and <laughs> Check and see what your savings rate is to make. Then sure the real gonna, work begins, but you know where you're solve going. That amount that you need, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a, a huge step in the right direction, and I hope this was helpful. Awesome, thanks, Scott. Thank you. Thank you for listening to episode number five of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. We hope you're enjoying the show. And for a list of the resources and notes, please head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co to find episode number five. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and please leave us a review to let us know what you think. And if you have a question, as always, if you'd like for us to answer this question on the podcast, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you all next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. It should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.